This podcast was recorded on October 10th, 2021. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and people outside the binary. Broken Class is now in session. I'm your discussion leader, Thomas Huda. What an awesome pleasure it is at the beautiful Alton Baker Park here in Eugene to welcome Plato to the show. First show back in a little bit. This is a really cool character, y'all. You're going to really enjoy this. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great because you're a cool character, too. And so it's like we're cool squared right now. Look at this love fest. Absolutely. We've never met. No. And so a couple of our mutual homies are going to be like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, that's what I love about the podcasting world and about new media is like, I would totally listen to like my friend Sam's podcast, my friend Patrick's podcast, etc. But then if there's a crossover, like, and it's my other friend on my friend's shit, you know, I'm listening to that. Yeah, yeah. You and then you're I mean? like, how they know each other? What's their energy like? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And then you find that all of your friends are on a podcast together Whoa. and they didn't invite you. And you're like, oh, I'm not really friends with any of these people. I'm getting sad. <laughs> no, you are a really interesting, um, poetic human being. You're a person who you have a, a bachelor's degree in philosophy. Yeah. You are. Um, you did do your research. Mm-hmm. You're a long time. This I literally found out about you last night. But the music video for the new song "Celebrate the Liberation" was had some really cool elements to it that I really admired. And so I was like, oh, let me get this dude on the show because you're trying to promote your album. Yeah. I have an album coming out soon that I'm not oh, trying yeah. to promote. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying I like, to de- I see what you did. I'm I trying like to that. demote the album. You know, mm. like, everybody's like, the album's going to be fire. And I'm like, no, it's going to be terrible. So you can promote. You can demote. Yeah. You can remote the album. I don't yeah. know what that means. Uh-huh. I can. Uh, Damn, moat's I can't a think of word. another word that rhymes with promote. Look at us two rappers. <laughs> we can't even think of the fourth one. You got to have that four bars of rhyme. Mm. Um, the first question I often ask people on the show, what is a controversial opinion that you have about anything? Yeah. So that was hard. I thought at first, but then I realized, you know what? I don't think drugs are bad necessarily. It's mm. like the intention that you bring to it, mm. you know? But, uh, I think that like abstinence not, is not necessarily the route to addiction recovery oftentimes. Mm. And, uh, the, the path of getting out of addiction is often not a straight line. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, you know, most of the world does some substance every <laughs> single night to kind of placate themselves, to shift themselves. And coffee is a drug <coughs> Yeah. for people who <laughs> might not think of it that way. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. used to work in this, like, counseling uh, type of field. And, like, I had this guy that was, like, super judgmental on people if they did any like substances right and then like every day for lunch he would get like three arby's and like yeah. you know big old burgers and tons of yeah. fries and a i huge mean he probably drink. got a big ass soda too oh yeah big ass soda every single day <laughs> and finally yeah. one day i was like oh you're going to get your fix now yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did he say he didn't say anything. Just like, mm. <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. You know, yeah, grumble. The belly, laws rumble. tell me that this is moral and absolutely okay. Yeah. Um, that's funny, man. So I'm still better. I love the concept of balance, right? Finding yeah. balance in your life, um, in the things that you choose to partake in, and the things that you um, even appreciate or consume. You know, um, so that is such a important component of thinking about what's going to be right for you. Yeah, yeah, you know, I love this, like, Timothy Leary quote. He was like, I am uh, 100% for the creative healing use of uh, substances. And I'm 1,000% against, like, the escapism, destructive use of substances. I feel like that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many ways. Like, fucking 
driving a car is something people are addicted to. I that used to be my like really go to cool down relax method and that doesn't have no benefits. It's not good for your body. It's not good for the planet. You know, even even electric cars which are way better and zero emissions and all that like you know, if you're frivolously using energy that it doesn't isn't needed, you know. Yeah. It's uh everything. Everything is pretty much something that can be a crutch it's so weird being a human like my calm down thing is working out i go nice. to the gym oh, like I'm almost jealous. every day actually <laughs> and but sometimes i'm like what's the point of all this you know i'm just like <laughs> yeah for like 45 minutes and it's like okay but you probably get some I good endorphins better. out of it yeah, exactly yeah, yeah totally right it's a good shift from the day you know uh-huh. it's like whatever you're carrying before after doing all that it's for me it's gone absolutely you know, it's just um, for anybody who isn't watching the video on YouTube right now and just listening, um, you're wearing this, what I would describe as very psychedelic garb. You're wearing like, you got like a cool sun that has a face on it on your, on your, you know, uh, flat bill hat. And then you've got the zipper, zip up hoodie and a cool necklace. Yeah, a little and, peacocked out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, it's really the textbook example of full sobriety and, and complete <laughs> abstinence. <laughs> yeah. That's, so I'm so shocked to hear you have this really different view. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with you, man. Actually, what I really love about your shit, um, and we'll be like super real and like, are you open to me even like being critical or yeah, like, staying, yeah, be real, be critical. Right. That's what I love. Let's try to, in, uh, inculcate Eugene with a little more of that culture of not just being passive, passive and like really, you know, yeah. you can be super real with one another. But one thing I, and we'll get to maybe some stuff and you can say that I am a terrible interviewer or I talk too much or okay. my bars aren't nearly as dope as I think they are. Whatever the fuck. This might end in a rap battle. Y'all. <laughs> I'm just. And it already you. is. I'm spitting that shit. Gonna flip the cap right off of your wig. That Why don't you even gotta rhyme. disrespect? Don't you need to protect your neck? Don't you know that I get respect? Don't you know I'm like inspect the deck? Check. But anyways, we about the love. Back to the interview, cause it fits me like a glove. Uh, and you trust in mine, even though you said protect your neck like Busta Rhymes. But every time <laughs> I do it, I'm, I'm crushing lines. All right, so. What I love about you is I really feel like you have everything that I love about the quintessential Eugene culture is reflected so upfront and so positively in your music. Like this album that you've got coming out, I saw you talking about it. You know, earlier in the album, you have like really like dubstep, maybe kind of instrumentation or like trap beats and punk kind of guitars and really aggressiveness. And even through that, anxious like um intense kind of iconography and that musical soundscape you really sound like you really are just a fucking cool ass person (laughs) you know you 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 have a lot of love you're a you're a rapper who's very community focused and so maybe what i want to ask you is where do you um strike the balance or or come to appreciate the fact that like you know i i love what wu-tang does and what they did in in building up community but a lot of their shit is like, let me be number one. I'm the top dog. It's very individualistic. Yeah, yeah. Whereas what I see you being about is very collectivist. Yeah. So, so do you think those things work together well? Or like, wh- what is that like for you as somebody who like, you're always talking about community gardening and shit, but yeah, also yeah. hip hop, like you want to, it's so. In, uh, hip hop's got swag, you know, it does. It, it's like. And everybody wants to be like the top MC on a track if you're all rhyming together in hip hop. Damn right. You know, like, 
Okay, so you started off this whole spiel. I'm going to try to tie it all together. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, y'all. And so, like, you start off about being critical and asking if you could be critical. And when I work right. with, like, my crew, you know, we have this phrase in the studio that's like, it may be tears today, but it's all love tomorrow. And so it's like, the idea is, like, if I help you be the best you, that's ultimately going to help me achieve my goals and what I need to do. And so it's like, how can you use com competition and competitiveness to like really contribute to community? Because I think they're both, both of those extremes of like being for the group and also like having a little bit of that swagger that hip hop has. Those are like natural human kind of tendencies, I truly believe. So it's like, how do you b find that balance between both of those really? And for me as a, as a community organizer in the background with this album, it was like, yo, what if I take that community organizing skill and apply it in a collaborative uh, context, in a yeah. musical context instead of in building a garden context? Yeah. And then it's like super dope too, because I don't want anybody to show me up, you know? <laughs> and so I'm trying my best and everybody that I get on a track with, they teach me about myself. I learn from them. A different side of myself comes out and it's just so like awesome to do it's fantastic i've seen in the past work that you've done lots of features and lots of features that complement each other well and where i can clearly tell like this sometimes you can tell when somebody emailed in a feature and sometimes you can tell and there's nothing wrong with that necessarily yeah. but sometimes you can tell when it was like two buds in the studio three homies in the studio yeah you know rubbing necks rubbing shoulders and rubbing that's why i did what did i just say rubbing necks? rubbing necks you know i mean that's eugene too really that's to eugene the mic. <laughs> that's yeah, kind of like cat like um <laughs> yeah rubbing necks we're inventing slang but uh you know when i started the album process i was inspired a lot by like kanye west and uh travis scott dr dre's collaborative process where they did bring in a lot of people yeah so i would have six seven people in the studio and maybe four are on the track three are like on other tracks maybe one or two people in the studio aren't even musicians they're yep. just like super cool talented people in other ways that contribute yes. to the vibe and the vision yes and so it's like being able to create those scenes and and those containers and see what kind of magic happens inside of it i love that i love that and when you talked about the competitiveness being a part of our human nature as well as the proclivity towards collaboration i think you look at evolution right you look at the conditions that we came through biologically like why do we feel loneliness you know we feel loneliness in this terrible pit in our stomach that? because when you were away from the pack it meant you were going to get eaten or you weren't going to have <laughs> oh, food man. that's where loneliness comes from damn you know and so um but there was always also um in terms of like let's let's just say like reproduction like trying to capture the interests of people uh that you could reproduce with that might want that you want to be attracted to you yeah. like trying to assert dominance right yeah and so a lot of that shit in my opinion in western culture and in america it's gone off the rails it's yeah, been yeah. way too much individualistic hyper capitalist i'm out for me and and a lot of people like to justify it under like oh like people need to be pushed to be better so you get really hard and gritty when you're in tough circumstances. It's like, okay, but look how many people are on the street right now. Yeah, you know? no <laughs> shit, dude. Like, don't you think we should fight for uh, maybe not a continually lesser amount of the, <laughs> the yeah. human pie? So it's like finding the truth to that's parting, part of our biology, part of our history, and also like, well, we don't have to be um, relegated to that bullshit forever. No, we you know. We can find it evolve for a better 
Absolutely. Like I love the potlatch system that was tra- uh, practiced by many of the tribes of this part of the world mm. back in the day. And like that system. Potlatch? Fe- yeah, yeah. And so like these ideas with the potlatches is like to prove that you're like the big man, you know, because they mm-hmm. recognized it on some level. Like, oh, some people just want to fucking really want to be dominant or whatever. To be the big man, it's like you throw this big party. And right. like you provide food for the village and whoever could like muster up the support and provide the best like party and the most amount of food for the village, from my understanding of what I read, um, that would be the big man, right, you know? Right, so right. like to be the big man is who could like help out and give the most. Yes. It's like, yeah, figuring out ways and we don't have to do that exactly, but just mm-hmm. figuring out ways like the hip hop example sure. of like funneling those two into one container. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Um, you know, as we sit here on this beautiful land that the Kalapuya stewarded for such a long time um, before Western colonialism occurred, yeah. you know. And um, one thing, you know, people talk about now that's a it's a media firestorm ignited controversy is like critical race theory. Oh, my kids are learning critical race theory from a young age. I'll tell you this. I see you wearing nail polish right now. Yeah. And I didn't learn about two spirits until I never learned about it in my K through 12. Everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. says, oh, 4J, liberal indoctrination, <laughs> you know. Well, what's indoctrination more than telling me that there are only ever going to be like two genders that assign correct cor- correspond exactly to your genitalia and like you're confused if you think anything different. Like that's what we really learned, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so I love um, thinking about ind- indigenous cultures and what we now call the Americas, or I guess what I call the Americas. Maybe not everyone does. Yeah. Two spirits, right? Like people who embodied a feminine and a masculine spirit. Yeah, yeah. And just there's a lot we can learn. And I'm yeah. guilty of not diving into it as much as I should. Yeah. I, I think for me as a young man, as a young human, I really want to kind of realize both the masculine and feminine capacities within myself to their maximum or to the best ability that I could. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot we could go into all of that. I do think sure. that, like, the male gender is a costume that I've been given that uh, I'm pretty used to wearing and it's comfortable for everybody too, you know? Right, right, right. I'm also pretty pretty feminine in a lot of ways. Like, okay. I'm much more likely to do the dishes and the laundry uh-huh. than like build some shit, you know, <laughs> like I'm not Or you have a nurturing in yeah, you, you know? Absolutely. You yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I saw you uh, had given a TEDx talk, 17 minute video in Bend, TEDx Bend, Oregon, where you talked about community farming and like what could be more nurturing than sustaining crops, yeah. a form of life that um, that that can't that needs um, you know there's a lot of different plants that don't need humans to help cultivate them, but I I really admire people who grow shit because of the effort involved, and uh, I kind of think of plants sometimes as um, so. This might be controversial to some people. I don't really think plants have feelings, um, but a lot of people do think that. I, I yeah. dated someone who was adamant that trees have feelings, and um, but if you if you think of it as as um, something that can't survive in the way or, or thrive without you, then what you're doing really is a very selfless act until you pick it and eat it. <laughs> but but it's ultimately helping the species because you're cultivating it like Mm -hmm. the fact that we eat corn means corn is like way more all over the planet than it would be if we didn't eat corn right you know i definitely feel like 
uh, by being a grower of food. First off, a great way to feel gratitude and appreciation for like the food that you eat is try to grow some broccoli or something or a bell pepper, you know, and then like yeah. do that a bit. And then you will look at the bell pepper or the broccoli you bought from the store in a whole new kind of respect. And it's like, wow, thank you for this awesome food. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, cherry tomatoes don't seem too hard, though, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no. Those they are, are those are good ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because there's definitely easier There's some plants. growing behind my apartment and the sort of property person there was like, help yourself and i was like hell yeah and i just grabbed a bunch of cherry tomatoes I love them. they're like little mm -hmm. nature candies vitamin c tabs they they are they're absolutely and i've come to realize more first of all tomatoes are just straight up a fruit i don't know why that's a controversy i tomatoes are a fucking fruit yeah yeah Let come on dude <laughs> just learn your plant biology yeah. <laughs> like pretty black and white um but i really enjoy them i've come to really feel that onions even the ones that aren't deemed sweet onions i realize how much sugar they have in them and they actually very much do sweeten up a meal you know yeah yeah um if you could whip up something for me right now and you had all the ingredients available to you what would you what would you make for me as a meal right now okay you know what i'd make because i've been daydreaming this uh because i'm gonna try to convince my kid to eat squash winter squash i'm like Yum. he's like i hate squash i'm like yo <laughs> let me try <laughs> and so I would stuff, I'd make stuffed squash and uh, I would caramelize onions and bell peppers and that's going to increase the sweetness of it. Yeah. I would uh, take sweet corn. That's also sweet. And I would probably add a little bit of like, maybe Cumin. a little kraut. Cumin. Oh, I was going to say cumin. I just I mean, feel like you throw spices. cumin on anything. It's you can. Some, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what covers like Indian and Mexican food? Right. Cumin. Like, yeah. Like, magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do like stuffed squash. And like, mm -hmm. I would combine those veggies. Since it's for my son, I'm really trying to sell it. I'm actually going to throw some like hamburger in there and like yeah. some feta cheese. Yeah. Um, take out the, take out the, uh, sauerkraut idea but the idea is like you know the the squash is going to be very carb and thick so how are you going to add like sweetie foods or the cheese and the burger the fatty foods and then like what's your crispiness your acid you create that kind of palette of flavor and it's going to taste good wow yeah you have a freaking creative lens on everything it seems you know yeah and that is something i really admire and appreciate and i wish maybe more people had because I think the time we have on life is pretty damn short. Yeah. And, um, you know, one thing I love about music, though, is when you make a recording, I really feel very much just looking forward to the fact that I, can, I can't control how long I'm on the planet very well. I can yeah, yeah. to some degree, but, like, past 100 years, very unlikely. Yeah. And I don't expect to live that long, <laughs> frankly. No, no. <laughs> you know? But the recordings, especially in the digital age, they're going to sound... Hopefully someone's preserving this shit <laughs> exactly the same for people generations and generations down the line. Yeah. So that compared to food, because you don't want to eat some shit that's been that's been sitting for a hundred years, but you might want to listen to some <laughs> listen to some uh, stuff that's that's old and 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 it's gonna be really cool that like such a robust archive exists mm. of video and you know even like probably like VR stuff. Um, of what it was like to live today that wow. we can only really imagine what it would be, what it was like, you know, 
That's a good point. Like VR is like growing in popularity and accessibility so fast that we are going to be able to document this era in a whole different way. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, it scares me too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that doesn't scare me that gives me hope is let's talk about your album. Yeah. And we could either start off by talking about this this celebrate the liberation video that just came out, or we could talk about the album itself first. Which one do you want to dive into? You you pick. The video came out, and uh, remind me the name of the director. Josh Arguello. Josh Arguello, and he worked with Maxwell Davis. Was that yeah, his name? Yeah, yeah. And um, really, really cool. Um, there's drone shots. There's shots of iconic areas in the Whitaker. Um, and tell me about the process because it's spelled out a little bit um, in the video like that you had intended to do this before COVID and COVID occurred and it changed your vision for the video. And I'll tell you this much too. In the video it said you had wanted to do it as like a big old, almost like a protest, um, <laughs> a protest with like 100, 100 people, a protest party. Yeah, yeah people yeah. just getting live or chaining themselves to banks or like, um, you know, stuff that sounded to me I was kind of like, you know, I admire the ambition, but <laughs> I don't know how the hell you would pull this off, and I'm skeptical. Although I got to tell you, I come to look at your more of your shit, and I'm like, this guy could probably get together 100 people, like legit, like we you, we like, did everybody in knows the Occupy you. era. In the Occupy yes. era, we actually chained ourselves to banks mm -hmm. and shut down every bank in Eugene on a Tuesday afternoon one time. Wow. So like that line was like inspired by like fact. Um, you know, some of the things I said was just to be kind of hyperbolic and funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, the last video I did was like a party and like had a bunch of cool people. Yeah. And like then all suddenly it's the pandemic. And yeah. it's like I can't gather people. And especially it's an earlier period of the pandemic and, you know, wave than we are in now. So people really weren't gathering as much back then. Right. And, um, you know, I think that are you the, vaccinated. What? Maybe I'm fully question. vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fully vaccinated. Um, but anyways, like, you know, I think to tie it to the album real fast is like one of the laws of evolution, I think, and I'm, I'm not an evolutionary biologist, but from my outsider perspective, it seems like it's evolve or die, motherfucker. <laughs> so it's like, how do you adapt? How do you innovate? You know, like, yeah. okay, we'll shoot a video with just me and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the Rose Garden and like that train tracks by the REI and all that. Um, and I think that because it was the first time I was exposed to your content and this is going to be into the realm where hopefully you're open to me saying like what yeah. my honest first yeah, yeah. critical reaction yeah, yeah. to it was, I was like, okay, the flow is a little choppy, a little herky jerky. Um, but as I listened to it more and I realized what you were talking about and also as I got to know more of your, more of your stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of understood how to enjoy it better. And I think it's because I'm very trained in like, so like buttery smooth, like right yeah. on every single, right yeah, on yeah. every like. The, the voice is a complete drum, you yeah, know, almost. exactly. With so, the melody added to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love right. that. And like, I did that some on the album. Some of that is honestly like leftovers from my spoken word past. Yeah. You know, because I spent years like competing in poetry slams and there's a different meter and a different rhythm million in like that. And so like for me, a question I often ask myself when writing a verse is like, how much am I going to just go into flow? And I've also done theater, you know, so yeah. like I really like to kind of act out 
like kind of parts. And uh, how much am I going to bring that theater spoken word part into the song? And then there's always like a tension and a push and a pull and a compromise. Right. Um, I do, the more I do it though, the more I do try to go towards the flow side of things. And then there's just times where I can't help myself. I'm just like, sure. this is how I want to like deliver sure. this thought, this concept. Sure. I know it's not like, like you said, just treat it like a drum beat, uh -huh. Uh -huh. like a melodic drum beat. It's like, okay, this is about the kind of concept to, to the point where I, yeah. Yeah, well, there's so many ways to catch people's attention and grab people's ear. Sometimes I think if people are too, like, everything is too perfectly rhythmic. And, like, I'll write verses sometimes where every line I'm trying to make, like, like um, rhythmically similar to the previous line. But doesn't line, that feel good? It, it feels so satisfying. <laughs> I know. But there's also, like, I had a line on my last song. I just came out Kung Pao. The 16th bar of the first verse, I just said, not man, the verse without even rhyming. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. And that hooked me back in. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. That um, was a standout line. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, but, you know, just like unapologetically, because here's the thing. No matter how you approach a topic like um, we're going to come in peace, but we'll bring the guillotine and we're getting shot with rubber bullets. Like no matter how many times you how, how you approach a topic that ooh is like a hot button or controversial, yeah. like some people are going to shit on you. Some yeah, people totally. are, are going to be not accepting it. So yeah. why not just go all the way out? And that's what I loved about your music. And I and I continued to what was the name of the song? I loved it so much from your from your self-titled album track two. It was called It's All Right. It Can Be Fixed. Yeah, I listened yeah. to that in the shower today. and um, Totally different vibe. More like reggae. And very much reggae inspired. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like that's something that's cool about you as a character, too, is that you can exist in different, different genre conventions. Yeah, you know, I, I got the B kind of hoodie and the B on my shirt. And it's like because I kind of feel like a pollinator. And that um, I bounced around a ton as a kid. And uh -huh. I lived with a lot of different kinds of people, a lot of different cultures. I was always new. And so I had to learn how to, like, get into different scenes and get accepted. And, and then I didn't have parents that really tried to get my needs met. Um, right. I love them. You know, I'm not trying to insult them. But, cool. you know, so I had to learn how to, like, charm my way to get my needs met and stuff. Right. And that gave me a, a really good kind of understanding of humanity and a love of culture and a love of humanity. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so I love on my album that there will. I'll shut up after this. But I love on my album You're how shut there up will on be a podcast. That'd no, be very, no, that'd I'm gonna be let very you awkward. ask another question. I'm it gonna let be you very ask. Awkward. I can just talk forever, but I won't <laughs> let air. you ask questions. So, anyways, <laughs> I love how on my album there will be like you know somebody that's from this culture and somebody's from that culture. Like maybe there's a soul singer and a punk rock kid on songs back to back, mm -hmm. and they probably will never be in the same room together. Mm -hmm. But like through the album and through me and this they still get to be a part of a shared vision of like what it's like to survive and thrive in this era of time you know wow yeah fuck yeah i'm on board with that is there anything else that you want to say about the video how does it feel now that it's out the reception to it another thing i liked about it was um it really just it was so sincerely brought me in almost like a good story because like in the latter half of it, you're just sitting down with like the a director or someone. That's someone my executive producer, Maxwell your, Davis. Your yeah. executive. Oh, that was Maxwell Davis. Okay, wonderful. Um, and you were just like showing him the idea, and he was just like similar reaction to me, like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. 
And um, so a lot there, you know, like like in just a six minute period, I was like, I understand this person well enough to want to do a podcast with them tomorrow and oh, get it out in awesome. time for the release of the album, which is October 18th. Yeah. Thank awesome. you so much. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Final words I'll say is like Josh Arguello is an amazing director and uh, I have one more video with him. I can't wait to like have that drop. And I, he's just now getting in the music video game too. So like it's really cool to see where he's going to go from here. And he's investing in his gear and his skills. Nice. And uh, yeah, the Maxwell Davis, the other guy, here's my executive producer. And um, just kind of like how he plays the straight, you know, more business minded guy so I can be the more crazy artist. Yeah. Like having an executive producer really helped me get this album made and having him in particular yeah. kind of pulling me in constantly as I maybe want to spin out a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, um, Josh, I emailed him late last night. So when I hopefully hear from him, you know, we'll talk about um, I basically told him I don't have an unlimited budget, but who does? Right. <laughs> but I do care about um, investing in, uh, in my art. And I care about making sure that creators and people that do that awesome labor are getting well compensated for mm, it. Me too. Um, absolutely. So, but the, the the small bargaining chip I might try to use. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't see this in advance. <laughs> <laughs> if, he, if he quotes me a price, I'll be like, I mean, I know that you're just starting music video work, and I'm making the whole audio track for you. <laughs> you know, when you do like wedding videography. Yeah, that's his know, background. It's weddings. It seemed that way. So like, that's. <laughs> A lot of the challenge with making good, a good video production is getting good audio. Mm. You know, getting good yeah. audio in a room. Oh snap! Yeah, hard. totally. It's it hard. is hard. But anyway, so let's talk about the album. Yeah. Um, Empires die, life evolves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I studied late at night, baby. It only partially was committed to memory. Um, good old fashioned. So let's talk about it and why you're excited for people to hear it. Yeah, well, there's a lot of reasons. So I made this album when I thought I was going to die. And, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was just like a weird time. You I was said when you thought you were going to die? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm living forever now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to die. But I thought yeah. I was going to die very soon. Wow. You know? Um, I just had this crazy little stretch. I was working street outreach. And uh, I just see crazy stuff on the streets at night. Um and I had this week where, like, Mac Miller died. And that was, like, a rapper who I love so much. R.I.P. Mac Miller. And uh, I broke up a machete fight at work. And it was bloody. And it was just intense, you know? I mean, some guy was hitting another dude with a machete. And they're both bleeding. And, like, wow. So I break up a machete oh, no. fight. I just wrote a line last night about having a machete. But, like, <laughs> and using it in a violent way. But in a totally... <laughs> fantasy based like metaphoric way that's that's really hard to witness or to have to respond to yeah yeah and i just like ran in i like i just like honestly there's a trauma response but i just ran in. i was like give me the machete and i like got the machete from the guy and wow. then like somebody called the cops and then i left but anyways i woke up a few nights later and i was just in incredible pain all over and like from that period on i was just like in intense nerve pain for a good chunk of time i bet and so i thought i was gonna Total die shock yeah did you sustain an actual physical injury no no it was just like i had been you know i had a good sales job natural food sales job and i quit that shit so i could go work on the streets and yeah. like kind of like live out my own 
hero's myth and uh, kind of be like kind of Tupacian in, in a sense of like yeah. that epic life. On, when I look back, I asked for it. But I just experienced so much stressful stuff that at some point my nervous system just kind of like, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's been an incredible healing journey since then. But so I was like, if I'm going to die, I want to make one last album. I want to make something that if nothing else, my kid will know when he's 30 what I was like and who I was and stuff. And so then I just started making it, putting all my love into it. Like I started to go through a divorce. Uh, my wife of 13 years started to leave me at the beginning of the recording of that album. And it's like, very destabilizing. Yeah. And so it was honestly a trauma response too, is I just started running around to all these different studios and hanging out with people. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I was just like, let's get to a studio. Like, let's hang out. That will distract me from my like pain and stuff. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, it just, I also have always been very socially minded, philosophically minded, politically minded. So that's why I think the larger picture came in. And that was also like beyond the collaborating out of my personal need. It was like, I realized that like, if I was going to make an album called Empire Style Life Evolves, I can't tell that story. That, that's way bigger than me. So I felt mm. like I needed a tapestry of perspectives to really communicate that vision of what it's like living in this incredibly strange time in history absolutely there's a lot of places i'd love to go with my response to that <laughs> yeah right there really are you know yeah. and, and and i'll just say that i'm very impressed that you're able to reflect on it so candidly because the nature of that shock and how much it takes over your body at a, at a given time you know from the machete incident and from divorce and so many things that you were just articulating there it it's really the kind of thing words fail you know, that's why yeah. we love to make music, because just talking, talk is cheap. It's easy to just talk about how much that can really affect you. But but the blow that it really takes is something beyond what we could really express here on two dumbass microphones. <laughs> um, Word. When I, I was living in New York City when Mac Miller passed. Okay. Um, I lived in New York City for a year in like 2018, 19. Yeah. Um, and I was really lucky. I had the scholarship to be able to live there. And I, oh, I didn't awesome. have to pay for my housing, which was like... Well, rent would have been $4,400 a month, so I'm glad I don't have to take care of that. Yeah. But it was also, I got to tell you, a very, very difficult place for me to um, readjust what it is to be alive <laughs> uh, into those circumstances and be able to succeed in grad school, and I was doing student teaching and stuff. Um, intense period. It was very much so, and I think the way I'm jumping off of what you're saying is that I think you and I both have a high capacity to empathize, and when we see pain, especially in this most blunt, traumatic, physical pain, bloodshed, you know, things happening in front of us, it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. It's, it really does affect who we are. I get that a lot from my dad as well, you know? Yeah. And so um, that's you with that incident, that violent incident. And I would also say that it was so hard for me because in, in beautiful ways and in tragic ways, I would see immense outpouring of emotion on a day-to-day to hour-to-hour -to -day oh, -hour basis on the New York streets. It's and so like, intense. Very much so. Like, like, I used to get upset at first. I would get on the subway and uh, to go to my high school or student teaching geography and, and, and history, and I used to fucking see the most brilliant musical performers on the subway. Yeah. And nobody gave a shit. Not <sighs> one person gave a shit. 
my, my perspectives kind of evolved to think, okay, well, these people are in car mode. They're just trying to get to work, yeah. you know? But it was this kind of thing where you just have this stoic city face and it doesn't, it's not even something that you put on your snap story or something. I mean, sometimes yeah. people do, but I didn't, I couldn't live like that. You know, I, yeah. I, I could probably adjust to it better now being in a better state of mind. And I had a lot of, you know, I was bipo- diagnosed as bipolar on the, on the tail end of this experience of living in New York. Um, cause I had a manic episode mm. and, um, doing a lot better now (laughs) but it does remind me really of like because i see that amazing beauty and that amazing tragedy of people in such pain on the street or violence breaking out or things like that and uh then i gotta go go to bed and just sleep it off you know like when the air quality was shit and the sirens and the buses going by my window were super loud as fuck i know it was very hard to uh it's hard to explain to anybody who hasn't been have you been to New York City? I haven't seen the New York level. Sure, sure, sure. You know, I do live across the street from that large-ass homeless camp in Eugene. Uh Uh-huh. So, like... Washington, Jefferson? Yeah. I live on, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give my exact address, but Mm -hmm. right beside it... You don't have to. And so I know. And so I hear screaming and crying deep into the night, and that's, like, reflected in the album, or, like, for a while, my job was, like, picking up needles in street parks in the morning before the kids would come out to play. And, like, there's a job in Eugene where somebody goes and picks up needles. Wow. Like, and that's how bad the the heroin epidemic is, you know, on one level. And it's just, like, there's so much human suffering. And I personally can't turn myself off to it. But I've also learned that I can't. It's like that throwing starfish poem, you know? I don't know it. So I'll kind of give you an example i'm gonna kind of butcher it a little bit but well um you know there's so many butcher a starfish it just grows back its legs so you're good even better i'm helping the population now i'm really (laughs) excited to tell this story so you know this guy's like walking on a beach and it's just filled with starfish that like you know some giant wave kind of swept them on the beach and now they're stranded on dry land they're gonna die if they don't get back to the beach and so this guy in the morning is walking and he's throwing starfish back into the ocean and like a cynic comes and they're like why are you gonna why are you doing that you're never gonna save them all and he goes picks one up and he throws it in the ocean. He's like, well, I saved that one. Wow. And so I try to ask myself, is this my duty right now in this moment? And if not, you know, I, I give a, a prayer. Maybe it's good. You know, I'm not saying I stop and do like a big long prayer, but it'll be like blessings on that. Because yeah. I hear just so much screaming. I'd never live a normal life if I tried to like save or change every circumstance that I heard at that homeless camp across the street, or I wouldn't live any life. I'd just be down there all the time, like running myself ragged. I did that for a while. Are you connected, like say on social media with anybody who is like a nurse or a medical worker or hospital staff or anything? I have a few friends that are nurses that I haven't seen lately, but um, that is what convinced me to get my COVID shot back in February. It's like oh, really? went to dinner with my friend. There's a nurse. And mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. talking to her, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. cool. Um, um, thanks for being open to it because yeah. it sounds like maybe you had a skepticism that you were having an open mind to having that knowledge void filled in. And yeah. that's something I hope we can all have. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because, you know, I have a friend, Erica Thesson, She's a nurse and um, a couple of friends who are nurses that post about their experience throughout the pandemic. 
and it reminds me of the starfish story because mm. you know erica you know she posts the little like kind of it's kind of like the meme template of like the how it started and how it's going yeah but it's like she comes to work and she's like you know she's like a mask or two masks with the face shield like you know you can't see her face as well but she's she's chipper she's trying really hard mm. to make a good impact at yeah, work yeah. and then at the end of the day she saw 17 patients she's exhausted yeah and what did she do she fucking goes home and is a parent and then gets back there the next day yeah and that's beautiful yeah admirable and it's the starfish situation you know yeah where yeah, you're not going to save every single starfish, but you are going to try your damnedest. And her name's Erica? Erica. Shout out to Erica. Big and all shout the out. nurses, for reals. Yeah. yeah. She, she does everything she can, you know, and she, she went to the um, 4J school board meeting on Wednesday um, where there were a lot of anti-CRT, critical race theory, and anti-vax and anti-mask people that, um, you know, were expressing their opinions as they have the right to do, and she expressed a counter-opinion really beautifully, and... Mm. Um, you know, shout out to shout out to people that really give a shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, and I, I don't I try not to have conversations on this show just with people that I agree with, you know? <laughs> um we could even try to poke at that, you know, like yeah. um because I asked you a controversial opinion, but I very much agree that drugs are not universally a negative, destructive thing, right? Um what do you think we would something we would disagree about? I don't know, man. Like we gotta have it out, man. Okay, Those are the okay. episodes that really. Yeah, yeah. So what are we gonna <laughs> what are we gonna disagree about? Well, we're both vaccinated. That's like the big controversial thing that I hear in my life anymore is. is like people's response to COVID. Right. Um, I think we're probably on the same side of critical race theory. So. <laughs> um, yeah, Christopher Columbus was a hero. <laughs> he was the original anti. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Someone's gonna soundbite that if I ever become anything (laughs) (laughs) they're like see see yeah oh i knew there was something wrong with that thomas person yeah yeah um hmm well maybe we don't have to throw some opinions out there i don't know uh i don't know what do you think about guns you know i'm not anti-gun necessarily yeah i'm not anti-gun necessarily either yeah bummer (laughs) (laughs) that's an oregon thing you know we we have a pretty progressive state but we're also kind of like yeah like you know, a little bit of personal responsibility in that realm. And, you know, I, I'm not pro NRA is the thing, you know, yeah, I, I can yeah. be, I can believe in certain civil liberties while not, not liking massive amounts of corruption and money going into a, an industry that like, Oh my God, they demonized Obama for eight years. Obama's <laughs> going to be the worst thing that happened to your guns. And he was the best. Their strategy on Obama was the best thing that happened to their sales in decades as oh, far as man. i know you know they yeah. sold so many guns there's more than there's at least two guns for every human being in this country so yeah so right so it's like really what it comes down to i think is like we might not fervently disagree on anything because we're not gonna butt, butt head super hard because even on a point where i say you know i understand gun ownership and i can appreciate certain things and like especially hunting your yeah. own food you know yeah, and, and trying to circumvent the factory farming and you know but also have a critical opinion of the other side of of it i talked with a friend this summer i said I was gonna, we are gonna shoot squirrels and eat them together yeah yeah okay <laughs> i've never like delicious i don't know I, we it was just drunken campfire talk but I, ah. on, in my heart it's something i want to do or uh-huh. else I'm going to become full-on vegetarian. It's like I should be able to kill something and eat it. 
Mm. And if I can't, then I probably don't deserve to eat meat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try. I can't think of anything that I've killed but that was bigger than a... I don't even think I've killed a cockroach, but like Have a small a spider. Um, That's hard. I don't really think I've killed a fish. I mean, okay. I tried fishing once when I was like eight or nine years old. I didn't, I didn't have the patience for it. I was bouncing off the walls. Yeah, no shit, dude. Like, <laughs> the fuck? That's so boring. But don't talk to me about fishing. I'm half Japanese, bro. <laughs> My people go hard in the paint. Dude, oh, yeah. <laughs> fish is like a huge part. It's like probably, I don't know the exact oh, number, geez. but it's a huge part of your diet. Huge we need part some, of your protein. The Japanese need to have a little bit of a humility and say okay like the all the whaling all the giant fish nets dragging them through the ocean fucking up the ecosystem eh, not the best i do appreciate in general like you are an ecologically sound thinker you you think about your life in a broader ecological context yeah and i think that's kind of a muscle that can atrophy for people or they or or it doesn't why don't people do it well, it's really convenient to not do it, right? Mm, yeah. There's a little bit of like, um, you know, I experience, you know, in a fundamentalist Christian view of the world can essentially... Oh, it's all put here for you. It's all put here for yeah, you. That's exactly what it, it said. And, you know, do you distrust God? Do you Are you arrogant enough to believe that humans are destroying the planet when it's actually God who's in control? So let go and let God take care of it. Wow. I'm not saying that's responsible for all of. Or no, but it's just like a, it's a interesting perspective. That's yeah. very different. There's than atheists that, that destroy the planet too. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, um, it seems very intrinsic to your character. And, and so we, we've talked about the farming a little bit, but um, just when did you, when did you get into it? Yeah. So, you know, I bounced around a ton growing up. So I learned to grow wings. I felt, and I traveled all over a country. At some point, I needed some place to settle. And when we chose Eugene, I was like, I'm going to go here to grow roots. And, uh, and then I participated in the Occupy movement. And so this is probably about 2010, 11? 2012, 2013. Okay. And uh, so I was in the Occupy movement. And I stumbled into kind of a pretty important role or a busy role. I don't know what's the right adjective for it. I was very passionate about it. did a lot of... Uh, organizing uh, of protest marches. You probably know like Ali Valkyrie. Oh yeah, Ali's like, my hey, homegirl. Yeah. yeah, I've known her for. Paul Simon, do you know him? I like? know Paul Simon. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of homies. Oh, a lot I homies. love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, but at some point, a group of us in the Occupy Eugene movement decided that we were tired of just like marching around blocks with signs, okay. and um, we felt like we wanted to be able to make a change that was a little bit more concrete that we felt that we could see. And we're like, well, fuck, everybody shares the earth and we all need to eat. And like from this act of gardening, you can get at ecological issues. You can get at like mental health issues. You can get at um, health, just personal human health issues. And so we're like, oh, my God, like Do you can go as far as talking about racial justice and in, in the yeah. domain of access to food and and uh, over pollution of communities of color and lack of opportunities Absolutely. to like so we are like holy moly on this one non-controversial act we can right. you know address so much shit yeah. in so many areas and so we're like wow and then people feel good because at the end of the day you you see a change that you made you're like I shaped this earth in a different way in a way that made it better you know and so that feels good 
Hopefully. That is cool. Yeah. I feel cool riding my bike at least. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> you know, I, I brought all this equipment and these, I brought two of these mic stands that are pretty heavy because they've got the the weight on the bottom of them and I forgot the mic clip on one of them. So I'm hand holding like a dweeb, but um, okay. it does feel good to be out here in nature. Like, you know, you also know someone I think named Kate Davidson. She ran from, yeah, she yeah. ran for city council. She's been on the show and her, you know, I used to ask people what's one way we could all be less stupid. <laughs> because it was the name of the show less stupid and, uh, <laughs> and i changed it around a little bit i tried to get at the same thing and she just basically said spend as much time in nature as you can mm. you know go out be in the trees be in the forest and you know let's talk a little bit about hippies okay yeah <laughs> because, totally because that statement in and of itself to me even i feel like that's just like that's such a textbook you're not being a nonconformist. You're being very like predictable. Talking about just how hugging trees is gonna be good for you, you know. But <laughs> yeah. then why is so much of society from honestly from from everywhere from all sides of things they don't like hippies. A lot of people don't like hippies. People don't like hippies. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? I think okay. Here's one so yeah, yeah. one um, That's theory a good I have, one. and it's a little bit similar with why people don't like nerds and geeks. Okay. It's because we are trying to play this game of being a human and yeah. being the shit. Yeah. And if you wear this brand, you're the shit. If you own this car, if you own this TV, it's a good script. this house, yeah. this income, hate this group of people, you're the shit. Yeah. And hippies and nerds and geeks, they do not buy into it. Gosh, some people much. call me a nerd. Some people call me a hippie. Yeah. Damn. They or the, or they <laughs> they purposely maybe it's because on some level they're like I can't compete in that world. Yeah, I think that that's part of it. Maybe. So let me just do my own shit. Which is a feeling, mm -hmm. and and some hippies are assholes. Yeah. yeah. Some nerds. Some are nerds are assholes completely too. Completely callous. Yeah. <laughs> met some asshole nerds and some asshole hippies. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's a weird. I've never had an open dialogue about just being hippies. And then there's also like um, there's also like a new age component of hippies that um, there's there's like racist hippies. <laughs> there's like yeah. hippies. There's like hippies. Absolutely, very non empathetic. Hippies. Are like the most set in their ways that they can't think about like oh yeah like you know there's rich hippies that like you know they love their plot of land and they do their shit their plot of land and they they don't like the Black Lives Matter protesters outside and they're you know like yeah. they might even have the sign up and they still don't like <laughs> being called out on their shit you yeah, know yeah yeah totally or yeah. or appropriative hippies yeah like yo I, it's all my domain I can claim any kind of spiritual tradition culture, man, or I practice don't see race like we're all yeah, part yeah, of I humanity don't see race so. type of shit yeah yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of hippies that give it a bad name. I think that also, you know, like society in general. And I think that you can look at where it carries over for nerds, too. It's like we are very disconnected from uh, nature when we live in urban environments. Yeah. And just and so like our society kind of encourages that you go to the city. That's where you get to make the money where you can get the TV and, and the cool clothes. You can get laid and like all <laughs> that stuff. And, you know, you're not really getting that in nature. Um, you're getting something else, which is, is amazing and super awesome. But mm -hmm. so many of us are just kind of born into this kind of urban paradigm. Or, like, you know, our culture also doesn't really uh, promote intellectualism. 
mm. I, I would argue. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's easier to be like, fucking nerd. You know, I'm going to throw <laughs> the football at them really hard or something than like. <laughs> Isn't that such a stereotype too, though? Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Oh shit! I'm it no has better. to be that they threw the football. Oh no better. Yeah, totes. Uh. Yeah, here I am, Thomas, the football defender. <laughs> um, let's talk the rest of the podcast. So now sports. we got our we got our thing to disagree about. We're gonna just do a whole sports analysis. I love sports though. I you did know? too. Actually, and, and, I but, fucking watched a tennis documentary last week. Spent like shit. five hours watching tennis documentaries tennis. after that. There's a great one on Netflix about um roderick and roddick roddick yeah and what was the guy that like grew up with him mm, i don't know roddick was american so yeah I'm not there's sure. an american that was also super good and like, when i think brothers. of andy roddick he had like the fastest serve for a long time and he and federer were a little bit kind of like neck and neck and uh, rafael nadal was kind of in there but yeah, I don't, the, I don't know who the other in the documentary is. it talks about Roddick's like dude Federer is the best of all time in his opinion. Very super yeah. fascinating documentary, Untold, yeah. and it's all about like mental health and the extreme pressure that tennis players like go under. And I never thought about like how intellectual tennis was actually. So much to think about. Also, like the what other sport do you play under three distinctly different surfaces? You know, they play in Wimbledon on the grass court, Australian Open on the clay court, U.S. Open on the hard court concrete. Yeah. So that makes such a difference. And, like, Rafael Nadal dominated the clay court for the longest time, and Federer would kick his ass on the grass. Wow. You know? Okay. It's yeah, really, yeah. really kind of interesting stuff. Um, but, like, on a broader level, because a lot of people just tuned out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we lost them. We're we'll back. On a broader <laughs> level, like, it is one of those things. I, Anyone... Not anyone doing a podcast, but like a, a like long form interview podcast in a culture like Eugene's and Springfield's. I try to really humanize people, right? Yeah. And and think deeply about what in society is broken and how we can try to ameliorate it and mend things. And it does it does disappoint me that sports just like I'm sure that there could do, you could do a psychological study and say, like, if you were given a word, you know, is this going to be, is this on the left or on the right? If you say sports, people would say on the right, right. Yeah. you know? Um, but that doesn't have to be, and that's not reality. Yeah, yeah. You know? You know? So, like, and when you think of sports, even the way I say sports, like, sport? sports. Sports? Yeah, yeah. Or sports. Yeah, you that's, said sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, look at me. I have a, I have three basketballs in my car. Hell yeah. And a soccer ball Hell in my yeah. car. Just case... We need to get down and play some sports, you know? Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I used to have all my disc golf discs in my... I have a disc trunk. golf in my car, too. Yeah, 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 yeah the yeah, final yeah. one. Sorry that's, to interrupt. No, that's... Yeah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it is one of those things where... It, and maybe capitalism is to blame. Maybe human nature. I don't know what it is, but... Um, that is that's something I'm gonna ponder actually. It's like why yeah. is sports so affiliated with the right and not like a left thing? And you also have I people have on the left who feel that athletic accomplishment is not worthy of celebration at all. I would I think they have a great case that like people there are people that make way too much money uh, yeah, <laughs> playing but. sports. But to say that athletic accomplishment isn't worthwhile, you know, or, or Who are or they to, to fucking judge, dude? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, cool. we're all just here, like, you know, everybody's born. We don't really know why. So we come up with a bunch of reasons why we're born. And then we learn we're going to die. And we're like, fuck, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. scary. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this life I was given for no reason. 
Maybe yeah. I'll see how long, how far I can throw this shot put. And I'm yeah. like, good for that person. They got something to keep them occupied from A to B, you know? Fuck yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't throw that steel ball. Oh, fuck, dude. I threw out my arm last time I tried that in high school. Like, yeah. yeah. You got to do the push from like the, kind of the neck out. Yeah. Um, that technique. <laughs> well, here's my problem with you, and I'm sure other people hate this about you, too. Okay. You're the typical too nice <laughs> we're like you are you can't be real there has to be some there has to be some bitterness some ang- some some like you got to be like prejudiced against some people like there's got to be some people that you don't like so tell me about a time if you don't mm. mind yeah 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 when you caught yourself being like oh i fucked up in my judgment of that person or that group of people wasn't yeah i can the- think of a person type of thing sure if, yeah, if it's yeah. fair to them lay yeah it out i'm gonna be i'm gonna be good i'm gonna be good Oof. You know, it's so funny because even thinking about them, yeah. I'm like, oh, I want shit talk that motherfucker. And this yeah. is a moment, you know, yeah. I'm going to try to be as diplomatic as possible. But yeah, you know, I used to work for a company. Now I'm like, oh, shit, how much do I give up? So I used to work for a company and I got a boss about halfway through. And uh, I looked at the work that I was doing. It was in social work realm as ultimately healing work. And I felt like they looked at it as more about treating human bodies as kind of like cogs in a machine to be moved around. Hmm. And we fought a lot over trauma-informed care and harm reduction principles, these like beliefs that I think are very important for working with trauma and especially traumatized people on the streets. And they didn't... They didn't... uh, have the background that I did in terms of personal experience or in terms of research, intellectual academic research. And so I get frustrated with them and I would try. And at the beginning, I would try to help them get better. Just like people in the studio help me get better. How my team works, you know, we all are trying to help each other be the best. So I was trying to help this boss be the best I thought. And they got very defensive and combative and then I got in a competitive way with them, you mm-hmm. know. I was like, well, fuck you then, you know. Yeah. And, like, that refusal to take criticism, constructive feedback, and that refusal to, like, be open to growing when we're trying to work together over something I really care about, that definitely pissed me off and definitely yeah. made me frustrated and yeah. I quit. Um, at some point I realized I wasn't going to change them. I had no power. I even went to the executive director, their boss and, uh, their boss, like, I I feel you, but I, you know, I can't really change anything. Yeah. They're they're in that position and it's not my call to remove them. And, Hmm. um, yeah. Hmm. And so that's something that pisses me off. Yeah. And then like, if you're going to try to be a healer and a helper, then you got to do your own shit and your own work. And if you're going <laughs> to refuse to do it and pretend like you've done it, like that annoys the fuck out of me too. Cause I take it so seriously on myself and yes. reflect so deeply and try so hard. So yeah. there you go. There's some hey, stuff. right on. Yeah. But I still think that you were the good person, in that, oh, you know, shit. you know, like, like I, th- but I, I think I'm sure that you had those flare up moments. Yeah. Like, you know, there's lots of moments person, where like, yeah, it's like, fuck that person that yeah. I don't feel like, or literally thinking like, I don't know, thinking like that that person will is just bent on being an asshole. And probably they're not bent on being an asshole. No, they're no. they're bent on certain things that the byproduct of them 
was a little bit of assholery. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> I have a really good ability to read people, and I spent a lot of time with this person, and, like, you know, I develop these narratives in my head, like, I'm going to psychologically dismantle you by pointing out all your wounds that I've observed and all your fucking shit that you haven't worked on. And, like, I, ne I bit my tongue. But I developed it in my head, at least, you know, like, where if it ever got to that point, I'm going to truly tell you, like, what I see as your deepest wounds that you're afraid to look at. Right. Does that make you feel like I'm the bad guy? Because I feel bad about that. I'm like, I shouldn't have did that. I'm glad I didn't. But I still wasted a lot of time developing the thought in my head, you know? I mean, I was trying to trap you, and <laughs> it was a moving target because I didn't feel like you were enough of a dick. So I was trying to, like, say, let's lean into more of stories of you being a dick. <laughs> um, no, I. Th but we are... I just took this with that. It's asking. been about a lovely hour, and I want to... Okay. I wanna, um, is there any other thing that you want to talk about with regard to the the release coming up? And then I've kind of I'll hit you with the final kind of topic. I think it's good to transition. We we definitely shouldn't end on that note. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So we talked about collaboration with the album. We talked about death a bit with the. Album. I love I love the album cover. The art is really cool. It's 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 um got sort of that evolution stages of whether it's homo erectus and homo sapiens you know yeah, yeah. um kind of evolving as um it's 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 clear because i actually kind of am jealous when i think about what my album is my album is kind of opaque in terms of not easily understood what the concept is unless you really dive into it and really kind of oh i understand why this all the songs are a chicken dish <laughs> like <laughs> title or like or like or i understand what about that was trying to communicate something and um but the reality also is like who the fuck is gonna do that nowadays there's i I'm not, i try not to be arrogant enough to think that like my music is more important than any of the other stuff that people have the option to consume yeah. to entertain them or to stimulate them so what i love about your album is I already like your album. I saw the cover and I saw the title and I like the album. I haven't heard a jack shit from it. Like just like a song. <laughs> yeah. One song. Um, because it, because it tells something. It, it, yeah. It tells <laughs> the title that I totally remember that I'm stalling. Yeah. Empire's Die Life Evolves. If it's yeah. about anything. <laughs> got you. Yeah. I got you. If it's about anything, it's like that we are all in this era in which a lot is changing you know like we're in eugene so it's like the epicenter of like changing nature of identity and relationships you know our economics are changing the environment that's the that's the huge one you know um yeah it does feel like we're living to me personally in like the death of an empire or at least some kind of epic transformation of an empire but then you think about like you know technology and like that's like the type of leap that we are living in right now is something that only happens once in a great while in human history. I would say like one of those giant leaps, totally unprecedented when you talk about technology. Yeah. And so it's like one thing I'm proud of that I love, and I agree with you, you know, like I was singing like total pop songs this morning, you know, yeah. you know, for real. It's like Billie Eilish. Like, She's very talented. She is dude. Sam Smith. But you mm -hmm. know, so I like stuff like that. Charlie too. Puth is really talented. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Well, but anyways, I I love your take on it, and for me, I when you say that you feel like the empire could be dying, I hope you're right. But I kind of am more cynically in the position that maybe the empire is actually kind of um, fortifying. I really feel sometimes 
that the problems in society it might not be the exact same people yeah. but it's their descendants elon yeah, musk's yeah. money comes from from racist uh, south african uh you know oppression apartheid that's true you that's, know? that's and, some big shit yeah. you know and and you know what bezos is doing i the amazon workers are being treated like shit like you know there's there's some of them where it's like you have to deliver and assemble like people's furniture for them on a time crunch like so like oh yeah deliver it and then you have about like 17 minutes to build like this crazy like complicated like a couch or something you know and yeah and if not it's, and you got them peeing in bags and pooping in bags in their trucks because you know god the, the i hope condition. this house of cards falls man like you know i i uh, hope that people are able to see the benefits that that a newer system can can inculcate to everybody. You I know? still think that there's a lot of good going on too, and a lot of, of course. a lot of change, like you know, yeah. awareness nowadays. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you we've briefly broached critical race theory mm -hmm. thirty years ago, fifty years ago. Like, look at the kind of evolution of that into our awareness. You right. know, um, right? But yeah. So and then like, to push back on that, I would say thirty or fifty years ago, people weren't as much under the delusion that oh, we solved that. Yeah. Like the hands of it. Word. There's a lot of people that think segregation isn't happening now. That was in the '60s. Mm. MLK solved it. Malcolm X was a little more mean about it, and he helped. But you know, like <laughs> oh the, my god, that's like, totally <laughs> a very common thought, though. Yeah. You know, and absolutely. So, but we have to perpetually. And so that's kind of like the thing too. Is like the there's a book that's uh, a character in it says the bigger the yin, the bigger the yang. He always says, and like it's kind of like that in a sense, you know. And that's why I wanted that dichotomy in the title of like you know the first half of the album is the angriest, darkest, anxious music I've ever made in my career. Yeah. Second half's the most soulful, loving, joyous music because it's all fucking here right I now going on, I you love know. That. Yeah. A couple albums that remind that remind me of that just real quick. Yeah. Sammy Warmhands and Ogar Burl, my buddies, they have an album called Rare Form. It, it ends with a song called Good Old Days. It's really I, I feel that same way. Another album called Death Death of a Salesman by the Illusionists. And then the third one, ICP. I'm a big fan of ICP. Insane Clown Posse. And they have an album called Fearless Fred Fury. And the song Freedom at the end is like the most iconically like you can do anything with your life. But the first five out five songs are just like, ah! <laughs> um, so I love um, sequencing uh, track. Sequencing oh, I'm, I'm such a nerd for that. Yeah. I will admit that Taking I dressed up journey. like Violent J uh, for Halloween one year. Dude, bump the shit out of my elbow for that. <laughs> so for the last little topic. Yeah. I'm trying this out as a, as a way to end the show. Okay. Real quick. Tell me about something that's broken. In society mm. or in your own life? There's a lot that's broken. Mm -hmm. Try to make it quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So something that I think that is broken in this world is our sense of community. And I think that there's all kinds of waste, both in material recess resources as well as in human potential that is a result of the brokenness of community. Wow. Okay. So you're talking about waste of, of resources and human waste of potential. What is a solution, an actionable solution to that? Yeah, I'd say let's have more grace with each other mm. and more gentleness and tenderness with each other or maybe just that understanding so that we have less fear about approaching each other 
to uh, experience life together for all that that can mean. And then uh, call somebody that you love and like, put your yourself out on a limb and say, hey, you want to go on a hike or something? Yeah. You want to share a meal together? Check in with people you haven't heard from. Yeah. Or people that are posting too much. <laughs> are they really as... Um, you know, are they doing that because they're they're trying to fill something? They're feeling lonely every day. You know, you know, yeah. Ch- just check in with people, yeah. and um, if people check in with you, don't don't um, hide from it. You yeah. know, like and, and please don't. You don't do have the- to expose your inner you know turmoils to anybody, but you know, try to look at other people who are showing compassion to you as like there's opportunity there to to come together for. Because nobody can see, I can't see myself. I know, I, I probably am the person who knows the most about my life and how I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. But when I walked here, everybody else could see what I looked like mm. and could see what mood I appear to be in and how, how much I'm hunched over or how much I'm sticking my chest out. And I can't see that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so we can really learn from others that, that do bother to check in and because otherwise we might waste our potential thinking that, Man, this is just as shitty as life is ever is. The shittiness of life, I feel now, is how it's always going to be. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm a spoon. And what I mean is, like, if you need me for spoon activities, we eating. We doing good. <laughs> if you need me to be a fork, we fucked, you know? <laughs> but, dude, if I find if you're a fork and I'm a spoon, now imagine what we can be eating together. You Holy know? shit. Yeah. I really thought you were talking about spooning, like, <laughs> like stacking <laughs> onto each other. Oh, man. I love to spoon. I love to spoon. My last girlfriend, she always wanted to be the big spoon, mm-hmm. and I grew to love being the little spoon. Relationship before that, I was always the big spoon because it's a traditional male. Right. I right. like both sides of the spooning. I am get fucking restless when I'm in the same position for too long. Mm. And so, yeah. Big I'm spoon all, I'm works on all sides of the spoon. I'm on all sides of the spoon. Yeah, okay. big. Flip over. I'm the little spoon now. All that. <laughs> all right. This is a beautiful thing that um, we now have this friendship. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Didn't exist before. No. Nope. Shout out to everyone. We'll end with credits. We want to shout out Brendan Lynch Cerebral because yeah. he's awesome. We want to shout out Simone ba- Baum. We want to shout out, uh, I don't know, Zondi Zinke, Otis Hashmeyer. They're cool people. Yeah, Who yeah, else yeah. do you want to shout out? I want to shout out my buddy Maxwell Davis. Yep. Um, I want to shout out Drew Misick, my big bro. My little bro, Ob the Server. Shout out both sides of them. Shout um, out videographers I want to work with, like Ife, the video dope dealer. Oh, he's dope. Traylon Day. Shout out Traylon, Traylon dude. Yeah, yeah. And shout out your god dang selves, y'all. Shout out y'all self. Mm -hmm. Much love. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Dude, that was dope. Yeah. That was fun.